here we go. Hello and welcome everyone to my podcast. My name is Wicked Cats and you are listening to Living for Real and Other Stuff. I am very happy that um, I'm finally doing this. I've been wanting to do something like this for a while and I just, I just really haven't uh, had the courage to do anything until now. Uh, I figured why not? Okay. It's now or never. So here we are, we're doing it. Um, Just a little information here first. Um, the hell is that? The fuck? Uh, okay. Well, um, as you will note, my podcast is called Living for Real. And hey, this is real life. And we're not professionals here. We're just acting like we are. So there's a lot of raw shit happening here. So we're going to get through this and we're going to have a good time. And oh, before I continue, I live in a very small, not even really apartment. I live in a converted bedroom on the side of somebody's house. So yeah, um, I'm hoping that my landlady and my landlord don't start arguing tonight because chances are you're going to hear it. Uh, so, you know, sorry about that. And also you'll more than likely hear my cats at some point. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm just warning you. Okay. So let's get started. Here we go. Now this first episode we are going to talk about the DeFeo family murders, okay? And if you are into um, dark things and paranormal and true crime and all that good stuff, you are going to be familiar with this family. They are the original... Well, probably not the original owners, but they are the family that lived at 112 Ocean Avenue in the town of Amityville, Long Island, New York, before George and Kathy Lutz lived there. This is before the Amityville horror movie and book. So... What the? I just keep hearing shit. I don't know. It's probably my cats. Okay. Now, the family first moved into the three-story Dutch colonial home in 1965. The family consisted of Ronald DeFeo Sr., his wife, Louise DeFeo, eldest son, Ronald DeFeo Jr., known as Butch, daughter Dawn, daughter Allison, and 
two younger sons, Mark and Matthew. Outwardly, the family looked like they were a close family. They, the neighbors thought they were very nice and they all seemed to care about each other. But that was far from the truth. Ronald uh, DeFeo Sr. Um, was a very abusive man, both towards his wife and especially towards his son. As a young man, Butch, as he is known by, developed a lot of behavioral problems. Some relatives stated that this was probably due to the constant physical and emotional abuse that he suffered at the hands of his father. As he grew, Butch would often lash out towards his parents and he became very unpredictable and angry. Even so, his father bought him everything he wanted. Um, he bought him a new car, he bought him a boat, he gave him a weekly allowance and really it was either because he wanted his son's respect or his love or just a way of controlling his son <clears throat> that was my cat sorry now <clears throat> big ronnie worked at his father-in-law's dealership briganti carl Bielek. And because of this, he was able to provide a very comfortable life for his family. Honestly, they lived in a three-story Dutch colonial home in a very affluent part of Amityville. The house had a boat slip, a guest house, and they had just recently finished building a pool. So they were doing well. As a young teenager, Butch began burglarizing the homes of his neighbors. And he also started abusing drugs, such as heroin and LSD. And he would often go days on a drinking binge. Subsequently, because of all of this, at 17, he was asked to leave school. I don't know why they didn't just expel him, but I guess they didn't want to be rude, so they asked him to leave. So he left. And at 18, he began working at the dealership where his father was a service manager. Same dealership that was partly owned by his grandfather. And Butch took advantage of this because a lot of times he just wouldn't go into work, but he still got paid. Now, on the evening of November 13th, 1974, Butch was 23 years old. At that time, he ran into a bar that he used to drink at, and he was panicked. And he started screaming and 
saying that his family had been killed, that everyone was dead, and that, please, somebody had to help him. His friends called the police, and they offered to go to the house with Butch. I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe it was the times there was kind of a certain amount of innocence but i'll be damned if i walk into a house where people have just been murdered i mean yeah sure let me just go spread my dna all over the place I mean, that was stupid but anyways you know i guess they were good friends so they went to the home and they entered <clears throat> and they found that Big Ronnie and his wife Louise had both been shot while in their bed. Each of them were shot twice. Big Ronnie had a shot in the lower back and one of the bullets went through his kidney and the other one lodged at the base of his spine. Louise was also shot twice. One bullet shattered her rib cage and destroyed most of her right lung. As they continued down the hallway, they found the room where the two younger brothers were. They were also both shot in the back. At that point, I'm assuming they didn't think they were going to find anybody alive. But they continued on and they went to 13-year-old Allison's room where she was found to have been shot in the face. And finally, they went to Dawn's room. Uh, her room was on the third floor and she was shot in the neck. Now, when police began their investigation, they spoke to Butch. And Butch had stated that he knew who killed his family and it had been a mob hit and that he needed protection because he was afraid for his life. During the questioning, he stated that the murders were committed by a man that he believed had mafia ties. His name was Louis Fellini. This is a pseudonym. So it's not his real name. But, I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. And the reason he gave as to why this man would kill his family was because at one point, Butch and he had gotten into an argument and that he probably was all pissed off because he felt disrespected and so he had to take revenge not on butch but on his entire family okay so butch was questioned for not long after that and he was placed under protective custody because really what could they do um they really didn't know what was going on and by all intents and purposes you have this one guy who is the lone survivor of his family who has just all been murdered so yeah i guess they figured okay shit let's you know let's 
protect this guy. But once the investigation began, the police started to search the home and the surrounding areas, and they found the murder weapon. It was a 35 caliber Marlin rifle. Oh, thank God. Oh, Jesus, the air conditioner just turned on. Fuck. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's just been hot as hell in here. Anyway, let's go on. Let's go on. We got air. Now, as they continued to search the premises, the police began to question the neighbors and some of Butch's friends. Most of the neighbors at this point said that Butch was becoming very confrontational and angry over the past several months. And this would happen especially when they would go and complain about all the noise coming from the house because of the constant fighting. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can see that being a problem. Um, but bad neighbors, what are you going to do? His friends, on the other hand, decided that they were just going to go full out and told the police that Butch was a drug addict and an alcoholic. So the police thought, okay, well, maybe we need to talk to this lone survivor one more time. And they brought him into the station. Now, <clears throat> according to Butch, he had been home the day before the murders because he had stomach issues. He also claimed that during the middle of the night, one of his brothers, yes, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me. Oh, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? You okay, mama? You all right? Okay. All right, she's fine. All right, where the hell was I? Okay. He had claimed that he heard one of his brothers get up to go and use the bathroom. So at that point, he knew that his brother was still alive. So the whole family was still alive. In the morning, he felt better and decided to just go to work. So he went to work. But throughout the day, his friends and his girlfriend said that he continued to complain about not being able to get in touch with his family. Um, and during his questioning, he seemed upset about the, um, about the death of his family. But as he was very upset and he looked like he was really sorry about the fact that they were all dead, and he was also talking shit about everybody. I mean, he said that his father was a horrible person. His mother was a terrible housewife. His brothers were pigs. And his sister Dawn was a fat bitch. I mean, the only one that didn't get any unkind words were his sister Allison. So I guess, you know, thank goodness for that. At one point, the police also questioned the grandfather, uh, Michael Brigante Sr., 
and they asked him about Mr. Fellini. And he had said that he knew Mr. Fellini and that he was a very good and decent man. But Mr. Fellini also had an alibi. So the police knew that he couldn't have had anything to do with it. And when the police asked uh, the, the grandfather if he thought it was possible that Butch killed his family, he, was, he became visibly upset. He said that even though his grandson had some problems, he didn't believe that he would ever have killed his own family. After several hours of questioning, the police told Butch that they had determined that the family did not die during the day while Butch had been at work, as he suggested. Instead, they had likely been killed between 3 and 4 a.m. on the morning of November 13th. At that point, Butch asked them to give him a minute. He put his hand on his head and admitted that it had been him who had killed his family. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, okay. Now at that point, he needed an attorney. So William Weber agreed to represent Butch. And at the time, both he and his defendant decided that the best course of action would be to state that Butch had killed his family because he heard voices telling him to do so. These voices told him that his family, can I help you? Okay, thanks. The voices told him that his family was going to kill him and he needed to defend himself. So basically he was pleading insanity. Now, during the trial, there was a coin of, um, coined, the hell am I talking about? There was a court appointed psychiatrist who had stated that Butch had an antisocial personality disorder, which was not helped by the drug and alcohol addiction. Butch also often used LSD and that has been known to sometimes produce psychotic episodes. So you can certainly hear and see things that really aren't there. Ultimately, though, it was concluded he was fully aware of his own actions at the time and not insane. Ronald DeFeo Jr. was found guilty of six counts of second-degree murder on December 4th, 1975, and was sentenced to six consecutive terms of 25 years to life. Now let's back up for a minute and let's talk about the insanity plea that they had discussed. Because this is what would eventually become part of the narrative of the Amityville horror book and movie, which I know we've all heard of. 
I don't really want to get into that particular story right now because I know that it's been talked about a lot over and over again. But um, basically that had to do with the Lutz family who moved in with their three children in December of 1975. They paid $80,000 for the home. And at the time, that was a huge bargain. And George Lutz, he kept saying, okay, what's the catch here? As they were walking through the house, everything just looked amazing. It had lots of room. It was beautiful location, the boat slip. It was just, what's the catch? And eventually the realtor told them what had happened in the house. And as shocked as they were, they still bought it. But I think they had probably gotten in over their heads. And it was probably um, partly because of that, that they eventually met up with Mr. Weber, Butch's attorney. And now this is all conjecture, but Mr. Weber states that they talked over a few bottles of wine and they came up with the story that the house was haunted. Weber had hoped that this would corroborate his client's claims about hearing voices and he would also make a little extra money. So why not? Now there's been a lot of back and forth through the years and even though both George and Kathy Lutz passed polygraph tests. It's still widely thought that their claims were part of a big hoax. And my feeling about it is I do think it is possible that they were haunted. But I don't believe that the home itself <clears throat> was haunted. I believe that they were haunted. I believe that um, something was there because of them. And I'm, I'm going to put a link in the notes um, to this episode, but there's a YouTube video about a movie called My Amityville Horror. And this is an interview um, with Daniel Lutz, which was one of the adopted sons of George Lutz. And he states that George was involved in a satanic cult and he was practicing black magic. And because of this, he brought negative influences into the house. So I believe this is directly connected to George. And if you want to believe in these things and have studied them long enough, you know that if you don't know what you're doing, 
you can bring in some really wild and scary shit into this world. And it can be very, very hard to get rid of it. Weber and the Lutzes did speak. And they were involved in the book and movie. But while Weber stated it was made up, the Lutzes stated that it was true. <clears throat> Another thing that's always bothered me was... This family was murdered and nobody woke up. Um, a lot of people say that while they were drugged and even Butch, at one point, one of his stories, he had mentioned that he had given his entire family barbiturates for dinner um, the last evening he was there. But according to toxicology reports, there were no drugs in their systems. And there was no silencer used. So how was it that nobody woke up? And over the past 50 years, Butch has changed his story several times. First, he heard voices saying his family was going to kill him. Then a demon came to him one night and told him to kill his family. Another story was that it was the mother that killed the entire family and he didn't want his grandfather to know that had happened, so he took the blame. And then there was another story where he claimed that Don was the killer of the family. And he killed Don because he was afraid that she would kill him. So if you believe that something other than what probably did happen happened, then we'll never know. But I think we really do know what happened. I think that Butch just killed his entire family. Why he did it, who knows. But um, he was just a bad person. Maybe he was strung out on drugs. Maybe he wasn't. Who knows at this point? We really won't ever know because Ronald DeFeo Jr. spent the rest of his life in prison. And he died on March 12th of 2021. He was 69 years old. And that's it, folks. That is a um, short version of the DeFeo family murders. I hope that you have enjoyed the podcast. I certainly had a good time um, talking to you. Now, I wanted to originally upload episodes every two weeks, but... I just had no idea how challenging it would be to get all of this together uh, in the time that I had. Um, so I think that my next episode will probably be up. I'm shooting for two weeks, but maybe three weeks. Who knows? Um, but I will definitely uh, post very soon. I hope you have all enjoyed yourselves. I hope 
you learned something new and um, I really look forward to talking to you again and everybody be safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.